the sound you're hearing right now is is me playing uh, the current iPhone game I'm addicted to. And you probably play uh, games on your phone too. And one of the things you'll notice is the ads that pop up. But we have a way to stop them. And it's super simple. All you need to do, put your phone in airplane mode. Boom. Most of the ads are gone. And you can play your game. You can enjoy them. Also gone, uh, important calls from your loved ones. And not only that, you're actually on an airplane. It's not how it works. I'm pretty sure it is. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to get a job in the Yukon. And we'll tell you how to make a dog-safe car. But first, as we speak, we are in day four of the government shutdown. Non-essential government employees have been furloughed, and we're still kind of getting a look at how this works. We know that the uh, national parks have been closed. The panda cam has gone offline. And, and one thing we here are monitoring closely is the federal employees that keep exotic animals from being smuggled into our country, we're, we're keeping an eye on whether they're still on duty. Because if not, without them on patrol, that means that at any moment, at any given time, some exotic, perhaps dangerous creature could crawl onto our shores. Jeff Musial is a wildlife expert, and uh, he has a bunch of animals that he takes around to schools for educational purposes. So, Jeff, uh, tell us about one animal that uh, maybe we should be aware of entering the United States. A bear cat, or a binturong, and it's an animal that gets about 80 pounds. It looks like a black bear. It walks like a cat. It's got whiskers like a seal, uh, and it smells like Dorito, like uh, Fritos, like buttered popcorn. What? What? Yeah, it smells like corn chips. Why is that? It's just their body odor. Like everybody, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, people don't have body odor like that besides these guys, but uh, they have an unbelievable body odor. Really? And um, yeah, it's incredible. And that's it's one of the best things of working with that animal. Because, I mean, they'll crawl around on me. I own two of them, and uh, I'll smell like corn chips for the next eight hours till I shower again. You have to explain that when you get home. Right. You smell like a Fritos factory. That's amazing. Let me. Here's a question. Let me ask you this, and, and maybe you can't answer it, but it, what is probably like the cutest animal, but that's also the most dangerous? The cutest but most dangerous? There's a ton of them. Um, my wife's chihuahua, number one, <laughs> is uh, very cute but also very dangerous. We've heard but, um Thing will tear a hole in you. The, uh, <laughs> I, I would, I would definitely go with the uh, slow loris. It's like a primate from Southeast Asia. People see them and think they're cute. They look like living teddy bears, but they have venom. Uh, they're one of, the, they're one of the, uh, one of the only few mammals out there that have like a venom component. And if they bite you, it could be. Uh, it, it, I wouldn't say so much just kill you, but it would, it would make your upcoming days not too happy. And there was a gentleman that actually smuggled them in in his crotch of his pants. He bought them at a black market, brought them in because they thought he'd be a really fun primate pet. And he had them in the crotch of his pants. And little did he know that it was one of the one of the only venomous um, mammals next to his uh, his his family his family uh, jewels. There, that could really mess up your day, week, month. Is there is there an animal uh, something an animal does and an animal behavior that in, in all the the animals you've looked at. Uh, surprises you the most? Probably one of the most incredible is you have like a, um, lemurs, the way they fight, you think most primates being, us being from the primate family, you're going you're gonna to fight somebody, it's like a bar fight, you grab them, you start socking each other out. Lemurs fight in a whole different way. They use smells because they do not like to smell like another lemur. 
They don't want to have somebody else's odor on them. They do things called stink bites where they use their wrists where they have scent glands. They rub it all over their tail, and then they flick that odor added with a nice little mix of urine to it at the other lemur. And then the lemurs get it on them, and they freak. They're like, oh, my God, you know, I, I smell like that lemur. Like, you know, I don't want to smell like you. I got my own smell. So they, that's how they will actually fight rather than most primates. Chimps and stuff will go and attack each other and, and bite and, and punch and kick and rip each other's fur out, where lemurs will use a stink fight, um, <laughs> and they'll actually pin the other one down. And it's kind of like when you'd fight your little brother when you are younger or something like yeah, that. You know, give sure. him a wet willy or something, lick your finger, stick it in his ear. The lemurs will take that sun gland and just start rubbering it all over the other one's face. <gasps> so all they smell is that putrid odor for, for days on end, and, and you know they don't want to come back and try and take over that territory because they smell like that other lemur's... Uh, Sun clans. They're kind of jerks. Yeah, kind of. So when you when you take your uh, your gaggle to schools, what's the, what's the thing that the kids go craziest over? Um, I have a vulture, a yellow-headed <laughs> vulture, oh. and his and uh, his name's Igor. Vultures are needed. You need them to keep the the wild running properly because they're kind of like the garbage man, if you will. They eat the dead animals, the carcasses. They have so many cool features. Like they are born, um, and as they get older, they lose the feathers on their head because they have to stick their head inside dead animals. <laughs> Therefore, the dead carrion and meat and everything forms on their head, and so no maggots or anything are there. They bring their head out, and the sun will bake the dead meat and maggots off of their head. So that's mm-hmm. why vultures don't have feathers on their head. They also poop on them, pee on their feet to keep their legs cool, keep their body, keeps their body temperature cool. They also have a neat little thing where if you get too close to them, they will vomit on you, projectile vomit, <laughs> up to five feet away. Oh, so it's wow. kind of like the exorcist, if you will, five of feet. the bird world. <laughs> and they can spin their head around, you know, like, like an owl. They can, vulture can whip his head around. An owl can almost go 270 degrees. These guys are going uh, a little bit more than 180, but they can turn right around, whip their head around, and projectile vomit at you from five to six feet away. So that's, I mean, that makes kind of smart business sense to have uh, a vulture there amongst all the other animals in your in your menagerie because the, if one of the animals gets sick or or dies, then the vulture's right there. It can clean right. it up. Right, exactly, exactly. You don't have to dispose of anything. You're, I, it can handle everything from within. Does that ever happen? No. <laughs> we feed him uh, mice and rats. Um uh, they come from a place uh, that uh, provides mice and rats for zoos and educational facilities, and they come in frozen. We defrost them, and then we feed them to the birds of prey and snakes and lizards and things like that. Do you have a microwave that has a button like to no, defrost? No, but when I, was six, when I was 16 years old, uh, that's when this, I'm 36 now, but years ago when they first came on the scene of feeding live rodents, because that way, uh, or feeding frozen thawed rodents, you don't have to feed the the live ones to the you know the animals yeah. cause them any harm or any stress on the mice and rats that when i got these in from a place called mice on ice i put them in my parents microwave and set them for defrost and the thing exploded <laughs> <laughs> and the entire microwave was coated and i was 16 years old a little skateboarder punk and my mom made me 
skateboard up to a place called Hills Department Store and buy a brand new microwave. Uh, and then I go slick because I was 16 years old at the time, and I said, well, how am I going to recoup this you know, $70 microwave cost? My neighbor was having a garage sale, so I, I hit it with the hose. I brought it outside. I put it at the garage sale. Lady came over, asked if it worked. We plugged it in. It worked. She goes, oh, there's all this dried spaghetti in the inside. <laughs> and she was using her fingernail to take the blood and guts of the, the mice off the thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just clean up the spaghetti. And she bought it for 20 bucks. So 16 years old, I got my 20 bucks back. It was a pretty good deal. Well, this is great. Thanks a lot, Jeff. No problem. I appreciate it, guys. It's my favorite time of year. It's the time when the leaves are changing. And it's, uh, this is the time when it's great to just get out and go for a nice drive in the country. Thanks, Mike. A lot of times you might see a car driving down the highway uh, with a dog sticking its head out the window. And, and you think about it, there are all these things that keep us safe, seat belts, airbags, what have you. What, how do you keep uh, your pet safe? Lindsay Walco worked on this very problem. Well, we've actually created the first instrumented and weighted crash test dogs. <laughs> does yeah. it what yeah. does, what does it look like well we have three of them now actually we have multiples of them but um we have uh three we have one that's a 25 pound uh he's got a little terrier he's a little terrier costume on oh um we have a uh, border collie and we have a 75 pound golden retriever oh wow. so we we look across the brand we want to look across the size when we test a product like this uh, but we had a volunteer he actually uh, is an engineer he works with nasa and he helped us improve our crash test dogs, so they, they rock. Wait, now, when I'm picturing this in my head, should I be imagining like a crash test dummy but in a dog shape? You should. It looks just like a dog. <laughs> well, it, that's crazy because there are so many different sizes and breeds of dogs. You don't have like a, like a little, like a toy poodle crash test dog, do you? Uh, we're working to get smaller dogs um, so that we can test uh, carriers. For smaller dogs and for cats, we're actually we're actually in the process of developing a crash test kitty too. Oh my gosh, those sound so cute! <laughs> you know they are; they're adorable. But at the same point in time, these are real instruments that we can use to measure. They're instrumented. We have accelerometers inside of them, so we get data out of these tools, um, and they uh, provide a very realistic representation uh, for the companion animal. Let me ask you a question then. So I have uh, I have kids, and they would love a dog, but I don't want a dog. I don't want to clean up after it. I don't want the hair all over the place. How, are these? Do these dogs make good pets? Which my crash test dogs? Yeah. Oh, they make excellent pets. <laughs> well, this is uh, this sounds great. It sounds like important work. Thanks for your time, Lindsay. No problem. Thank you. Lindsay Wolko designed a study of pet harnesses for Subaru and her organization, the Center for Pet Safety. A little note uh, about our show, we are hiring. We need a producer. All you got to do is come out here to Chicago. And then do all the work required. Well, you should apply for it first. There's more information about the position on our website, howtodoeverything.org. But if you're looking for a job that's maybe not quite as menial, tedious, or degrading... Adam Gurley might be able to help you out. He works at the Downtown Hotel in Dawson City, Yukon. Uh, Adam, we understand you also have a, a Help Wanted ad out there right now. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us what it is you're looking for? What we're looking for is a tow. Uh, in Dawson City, Yukon, the home of the gold rush, this prospector guy um, 
found a toe preserved in alcohol and uh, has since used it in cocktails. It's called the Sour Toe Cocktail. You drop the toe in. You said Sour Toe? Yes, Sour Toe. (laughs) The expression for somebody who's been in the Yukon, who survived a winter in the Yukon, is sourdough. And that's an expression for an old-timer or uh, somebody who's actually, you know, not a lightweight, somebody who's survived up there over winter. So it's a play on sourdough, and it's a sour toe cocktail, and you put it in a drink, and, it has to, and you drink the drink, and it has to touch your lips. And if it touches your lips, you get a certificate and, you know, <laughs> bragging rights. Wow. And uh, so this toe from, from the prospector days, how, how old is this toe? Um, we're, we went through a few toes over the years, but the first toe was uh, from a guy in the 20s. I, the story is um, a couple guys were running moonshine uh, in the Yukon wilderness, and they were being chased by the RCMP, and due to bad weather, the one guy got frostbite and lost his big toe out of it. But he kept, like, he preserved it in the jar as a souvenir. And then years later, like not till the 70s, they, you know, they came across this old beat-up cabin near Dawson City, and there's there's still that toe preserved in alcohol. So Ooh. everyone got all liquored up and said, hey, this could be a, let's do a sour, make a sour toe cocktail out of it. Well, so they 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 decide, they got so drunk that they decided to put the toe in their drinks? Yeah, that's what we're assuming. There was a lot of alcohol <laughs> involved in this decision. Uh, so you're, you've posted this ad, you're looking for a toe. Why, why do you need a new toe? Uh, because somebody swallowed one of ours. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, some guy, uh, he's from New Orleans, his name's Josh, uh, he was up in the summer doing some uh, plaster gold mining, and um, he just came in and swallowed the toe. It was intentional? He did this it on purpose? Intentional. It was intentional. It was premeditated. Because there's a fine that comes with that. Like, oh. if you, they, they warn you ahead of time, if you swallow the toe, they're going to charge you a $500 fine. So this guy swallowed the toe, put his $500 cash on the table, and walked out. So it was premeditated and just a crazy thing to do. Well, so here's the question I have. Which toe is it? Um, generally, the bi- is the big toe that was swallowed, and the that's what we toe. generally use. We've had you know toes donated over the years from you know, people that have had frostbite or surgery of some kind. And okay. they wanted to, you know, they heard of the club and wanted to be part of it. But generally, it's the big toe, because the smaller ones, I think, would be easier to swallow. So there it is behind the bar. There's your maraschino cherries, your little uh, <laughs> onions and olives, and there's it, a toe. Yes, yes. Have you? Do you have a certificate? Have you done it? No, I haven't. I what? Haven't. I am a terrible Yukoner. I've I have not done it. Wow, Adam. I know. I, I need to get on that while we still have a toe. We heard from Melina. She says she listens to our show as she binds books as a rare book conservator. Melina, these next 15 seconds are for you. Butterfly in the sky. Do you think the books want to be bound? Do you think they feel like, no. Yeah, they set me free. Yeah, you won't keep me in. Old page 31 actually hates 32, but there it is, bound next to it for eternity. All because of Melina. We appreciate your work, Melina. It's actually very important. Keep it up. I can be anything. Take a look. It's in a book. We are still collecting your toilets of the week. Get your nominations to howto at npr.org. Hey, Bill, tell us about your toilet. Okay, okay. Um, 
what was that? Is that the Boston Children's Museum? I was there recently, and I took my three-year-old son there. And there's uh, on the second floor. There's a, a family restroom, and um, directly across from the toilet. So if you were seated on it, there's a um, a case, probably about two feet by two feet, and inside the case, there's probably about ten plus um, samples of animal feces. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great! <laughs> All different, yeah, different animals. My son was the first to pick up on it, actually, because he was trying to. He's recently potty trained, so just getting him to the toilet's so a win. Yeah, and uh, now he was mentioning. <laughs> like, what's that pointing behind me? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about, but when I turned around, I oh, yeah, yeah, there's the mouse and the rabbit and the duck and the moose. I think that's such a great a great thing, especially at a children's museum and in that family bathroom. If you're if you're working on potty training a kid, it's great to be like to have examples right there. Like this is this is our goal. <laughs> well, well, he he did ask um why they could go on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. you, it does send a, a message you want to make sure and uh, counteract, I guess. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, but I, I agree. It was. It, it was. A, it's a, a good thing to uh, have there to at least have the conversation with the kids. It's it's a nice uh, just kind of reminder that 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 we're one of the animals. You know that we're not all that different. Because <laughs> that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> well, congratulations, Bill. You have this week's toilet of the week. Thank you very much. And congratulations to your son as well. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? I learned that there's an animal called a bear cat that smells like Fritos. Do you think that uh, the bear cat is always a little bit hungry for Fritos? I hope so. You know what? I, I don't know what it is. I was just walking around and I just started thinking about Fritos for some reason. Do you guys smell Fritos? Yeah. How delicious must it be for the bear cat to dip its finger in bean dip? Can I, can I tell you something? When we were... Uh, when we were talking to Lindsay and I had to say crash test dummies, talking to somebody who works with them, I worried about the word dummy. I thought, oh, maybe, insensitive. I should, maybe I should say something else. What maybe, else would you say? Maybe I should call them crash test associates. How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Haga with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Tyler Crandall, and Tyler is just about to become a father for the first time. Also, uh, in sixth grade, uh, Tyler was a participant in the Bible Quiz Bowl. Hey, nice work. We congratulate you, and Shadrach and Meshach congratulate you. And Abednego. We also want to thank Anne Ruse, the harpist who played the uh, beautiful cover you heard just a moment ago. And if you don't remember what it was, here it is again. It's the one. Yep. Get us your questions to howto at npr.org. And visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. You think you would drink the Sour Toe cocktail? 
I would. I think I would too. Yeah. You're just kissing it. Just yeah. kissing the dead toe. It is kind of on the line of um, cannibalism, though. Is that is that how you understand cannibalism works? They just they put pieces of of people in drinks and then it's, it's let like, them touch their it's lips. It's light. I mean, it's not full cannibalism, but it's on the continuum. You you are paying someone at a restaurant to serve you something with human meat in it. A toe. That's uh, on the line of can. Even though you don't swallow it. Right. But you think about it. I mean, like you do that. Like you kiss somebody's cheek, if they're alive. Yeah. If the cheek is attached to the rest of them, and not in a glass floating. These these are the differences between cannibals and us. <laughs>